My name is Adam. I'm the community life pastor here, and I get to open scripture with you. And uh, we've been in this series since the beginning of January called The Heart, where Jesus begins his revolution. And I am so thankful that, that God has led us here and thankful for what he's been teaching us about our own hearts from his scripture. And in fact, um, over the, the, the past few months, as we've been kind of journeying through this topic, we've just been hearing stories coming to the surface of our community uh, stories of, of people who are, are making the decision to forgive someone, stories of people who are, um, because they're discovering what, what God wants to do in their hearts, they're asking the question what they want to do with their lives, and, and just really, really good stuff. Um, we as a, a Mosaic staff team on our uh, staff meetings on Tuesday mornings actually begin our staff time by sharing stories of, of what God is doing in our community. And we want to keep that, that rolling as much as we can. Uh, we know that there are more stories of what God is doing um, through through uh, this, this teaching, through the, the heart, what he's doing in communities, what he's doing in midweek with students. And so we want to create an avenue uh, where those stories can come to the surface. And so we started an, an email called um, stories at mosaicportland.org. Um, and this is a place where if God is doing something in your life and you're willing to share it, we want to know. And we want to celebrate with you. Um, with your permission, we'd love to, to share that story with others and just really be excited about what God is doing in and through our community. And, and, and the overreaching kind of idea of this is, is I think God has something really specific and significant for this community, but he's starting with our hearts, which is such a, a great thing. So that's available to you, uh, stories at mosaicportland.org. Uh, today, we're actually going to continue this series on the heart. And we've made it clear week after week that we're not talking about the, uh, the pumping organ within our chest that's moving oxygen and blood around our bodies. We're, we're talking about um, the heart being the, the inner life, that, that part of us that, that God has created where we find our will, where we find our, our deepest desires. It's that part of our life that's, that's really informing all other parts of our lives. Um, and yet to call it a heart is, is a good analogy because it impacts us in a similar way that our, our physical hearts do. Right, I, I think we would all agree. I know it's Sunday at uh, 11.25 and you were not prepared for biology. But I think that we would all know and agree that our physical hearts are pretty critical for keeping us alive. Yeah? Okay, we're, we're on the same page here. They're, they're pretty critical for keeping us alive, for having our body, uh, being able to move and think and, and do all these things. And yet, uh, the, the habits and practices of our life, our physical body, do impact our hearts. Um, so if I choose to eat lots and lots of green things and move around and exercise, that's, that's good for my heart, right? Yeah? If I just am on a steady hot wing of diets and pizza and don't move, not so good for the heart. And if this is brand new news for you, you're welcome. You, this, this Sunday has already been worth it for you. Our, our, our practices, the way that we choose to, to uh, have habits and live with our physical bodies, they're, they're going to impact our heart. Likewise, likewise, the practices of our life impact our heart. This core of who we are, where Jesus is beginning his revolution, the place that was stone and now has become flesh, the way that we live, the practices that we live by, are impacting our heart. And the invitation for us from Scripture is to not just look at the words that Jesus has given us, but also the ways that he lived. 
the habits that he had, the practices that he lived by as a means of experiencing transformation in our hearts. That we're not conformed by the, the patterns and the habits of the world, but, but transformed by following in the footsteps of Jesus. And so today, that's, that's what we're going to do. And, and the specific practice that I want to draw our attention to of Jesus is, is the practice of giving oneself away. This, this practice, this, this thing that we, we might call generosity. And to talk about it, not just as a value that we can aspire to, but, but as a way of aligning our heart with the heart of God, because he is generous. And so if you have a Bible, um, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, and um, Jesus is going to teach us about this very thing. Matthew chapter 6, uh, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Um, chapters 5, 6, and 7 are, are called the, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, it's, it's a teaching that Jesus gives standing on a mount, on a hill. Um, and it's, it's talking about his kingdom. When Jesus came to this earth in physical form, he came teaching about the kingdom of heaven or, or the kingdom of God. And, and he wasn't talking about a geographical place that, that he was going to have dominion over and start his own kingdom in this place, but rather a kingdom that resides in the heart of people who, who follow him. This is what he's teaching on. And, and in this teaching, he talks about the relationship between the treasures that we have here on earth and the treasures that we can store up and build in heaven. So if you have your Bible, um, follow along with me. If not, don't worry. It'll be on the screen, not the screens, the screen. Um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. These are the words of Jesus. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin will destroy and where thieves will break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus begins um, teaching about this idea of, of treasure. Now, I want to, to give us a little histor historical context. Jesus is teaching primarily to first, um, first century Jews. Uh, he's in Galilee and, and is surrounded by Jewish communities. And these first century Jews are coming. And if you know much about their history, at this point in time, they are not in charge of their own nation. They have been conquered by Rome. They're under Roman rule, which, which essentially translates to them being second-class citizens, which, which means they, they don't actually have a lot of treasures. Right? There, there's not a lot of things in their possession that, that, that they can be storing up. And, and so we have to realize when Jesus is saying, don't store for yourself treasures on earth, he's not just talking about stuff, but rather he's talking about the will and the desires of their heart. He's saying, don't set the will and the desire of your heart just on stuff here on earth, because that's all temporary. Right? Moths are going to eat it. Um, you might have heard a translation that says rust. Um, this one says vermin. The idea is something's going to decay it. It's going to go away. It's, it, it can be stolen by thieves. Don't set the attention, the will, the desire of your heart only on stuff here on this earth that's going to pass. But rather set your attention on, on, on God's kingdom and what he wants to do. Now, it's, in, it's important to realize that, that the stuff that we have isn't intrinsically bad. That's, that's not what Jesus is saying. Right? You, you might have a home, a bed that you sleep in, 
uh, food in your pantry or your fridge, um, a car that you drove here on, or money that you could pay for the max to get here. Those are good things, right? We would agree that those are good things, and yet those are not meant to be the desires of our heart. Not meant to be the thing that gives us identity, that gives us purpose, the thing that we are looking at at the essence of who we are, saying, if I can get that thing, that's where I'll find saving power. That's where I'll find purpose and meaning in all of these things. Jesus is elevating the desires of our hearts to something that, that's not going to fade, that's not going to go away, but, but rather will last. Um, my my grandfather in the small town that we were from, um, he pastored a small church I went to as a, a young teenager and through high school, and it was a um, very, very small church. He was actually a volunteer pastor, had his own business, and, and I remember this one summer where my grandpa and my grandma bought a used Cadillac, and oh, the rumors flew. I don't know if you're from a small town, but your business is everybody's business, and, and it was crazy. I mean, people are like, who do they think they are? Oh, Pastor Hansel bought a Cadillac. Wanda bought a Cadillac. And just went on and on. It was all the, and now that I'm an adult and I've bought cars and I look back, it was an old Cadillac. It had a lot of miles. It probably didn't even cost very much. But, but I remember my grandpa pulling me aside and, and, and giving me this lesson about stuff. And it always stuck with me. And I don't know if it's original to him. I love my grandpa, so I'm going to say it's original to him. But he said basically this. It's okay as a Jesus follower to have stuff. It's okay to have a home and food to eat and maybe a college fund if, if you have children, maybe a, a career and retirement. Like it, it's okay to have those things. The problem becomes when those things begin to have you. When the very essence of who we are is set on a trajectory for things on this earth that are just going to fade anyways, that are just going to go away. This, this practice, instead of generosity, is, that, is actually called materialism. This belief that there is things out there that if I can acquire them, I mean, if I, can, if I can get that job, if I can get that relationship, if I can get set on this track, then the purpose of my life will be fulfilled. And Jesus is saying, no, it, it's going to go away. Moths are going to eat it. Rust is going to take it back into the dirt. Thieves might break in and steal it. He's saying, instead, the purpose of your heart, instead of material things, is for something so much more. It's for my kingdom. My kingdom's not going anywhere. It'll last forever, and it'll be established forever. Set your treasure, set the desires of your heart on my kingdom. For moths don't eat it, rust doesn't take it, thieves don't break in and steal it. He says, store up treasures for yourself in, in heaven. Because where your treasure is, the thing that you desire is the thing that's leading your life. We've hit this week after week. Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of your heart flows the issues of life. You might not even know this, but your heart, it's guiding your life. It's, it's, it's directing, it's influencing it. That will and that desire, when it's in your heart, it, be, it becomes your life. And so Jesus says, Store up treasures for yourself in heaven. So what does he mean when he, he says heaven? I think the most obvious answer is, is this place, a place that, that he's talked about, that he's promised for, for citizens of heaven, for, for his followers, people who have confessed with their mouths and believed in their heart that Jesus is Lord, that when they are done with their time on this earth, they are present with God in a place called heaven. 
that that's, that's true, that that's a real place. And in fact, John 14, that's what Jesus tells his disciples. I'm going away. The Holy Spirit's going to come. It's for your benefit. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And it's beyond our imagination. Do you know that, that heaven, the, the, the place that, that if we're following Jesus and he's our Lord, we get to be there, that, that when we are there, things like hope, things like faith, they're completely obsolete. Man, if I'm, if I'm in the presence of God, my faith is obsolete. I don't, I don't need to believe. I can see and be in his presence. I don't need to hope for something better because Revelation tells us that he's going to wipe away every tear. There will be no grieving. There will be no pain. It's perfection. And so there's a part of Jesus saying, store up for yourself treasures in this place. It's, it's delayed gratification, right? That, this idea that, that our lives are, are, are but a moment. And the older I get, the quicker that moment is flying by. And so orient my life in a way that, that I'm thinking of and storing up treasures in a place that, that I'm going to spend eternity. That, that's heaven. But, but he also means when he says heaven, the places where his kingdom is breaking through here and now. Not just in the future. Not just in a different place. But, but where his desires his heart and his treasure is being realized in the here and now and is overturning the world around us. Jesus didn't come just to give uh, passes and invitations for a kingdom that will come in the future. He came bringing the kingdom of heaven with him. And so when he says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven, it's not just delayed gratifications for a life that we'll have with Jesus when this life is done, but it's, it's his kingdom being realized through generous hearts in the here and the now. This is the invitation from Jesus, to be people who follow his words and his practices, who are developing hearts of generosity, as he did, giving himself away. Uh, Jesus has said in, um, in Acts 20, he's quoted in Acts 20, 35, of saying that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. This is a practice that, that Jesus lived by. It's a practice that, that, that his kingdom was coming by, that it's more blessed to give away of oneself than it is to receive. And when we look at his life, we can see that that's absolutely true. He lived generously. He gave of himself. He didn't build his own empire. He didn't accumulate his own things. He, he, he came to give. This picture of a generous Lord. Mark... Um, Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 35, gives us this really good story of, of what this actually looks like for Jesus' disciples then and, and now. Um, his, his original disciples, there were 12 individuals that he called and said, come and, and follow me, listen to my words, but, but also watch how I live so that, that when I'm gone, you can carry this on. And, and one day his disciples broke into this conversation, and you can see this distinction between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of, of earth and how they're still wrestling with this. It says this in verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Now, if they're sons of the same father, what does that mean? Brothers, right? So these two brothers, they came to him and they said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Don't you love questions like that from a friend or a kid? I'm going to ask you something, but you can't say no. I already want to say no. I don't know what you're asking, but no. He says, What do you want me to do for you? Jesus replied, and they said, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left 
in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus says. Can you drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. So this, this story is happening where, where his disciples are sitting around, and, and they've chose to follow this, this man named Jesus. And, and their mind is still set that he is going to scratch out a piece of geographical land for them and establish his kingdom. And they think that he can do it. Man, they've heard him teach. No one teaches like this guy. He's got power. He can raise the dead. He can heal people. What king is going to stand against him? This is going to be an awesome army. And aren't we lucky we followed Jesus before following Jesus was cool? We're in the inner circle. So they want to make sure Jesus is going to remember this. Yo, Jesus, you remember day one, all the crowds weren't there. The kingdom were there. Here we are. Do we get to sit on your right and your left? Do we get to be on your inner circle when your, your physical, this earthly kingdom is established. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those to whom they have been prepared. When the 10, so the other disciples heard about this, they became indignant with James and John, which makes sense. They're trying to to, to ensure their place and and jockey for position, all this kind of stuff. And and Jesus just takes a moment to call them together because they're their minds are still set on this, this earthly kingdom that we're acquiring, that we're building, and we're going to advance, and we're going to take it. We're going to work harder. We're going to do better, and, and we're going to have this kingdom. And in 42, Jesus calls them together and says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. This word Gentiles just means people who are not Jewish. And their high officials exercise authority over them not so with you. Okay, that, that's the kingdom of this earth, but, but not so in, in my kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Instead, who, whoever wants to become great among you must become a servant, and whoever wants to be first must become a slave of all. He speaks about himself, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To give of himself for others. This is the practice of the kingdom of God. This is the practice that when we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, it creates, it curates a generous heart within us. That when we become generous people, we are not just reaching and aspiring to some great value. We're actually mimicking the behavior of God. I think about this. What do we have in this life that God didn't give us? If we're to believe the words of this Bible, then we're to believe that all creation, the sun, the moon, the stars, the universe, this earth, our very bodies and essence of life is a gift from God, an extension of his generosity. And so when we follow the ways of Jesus, our heart is shaped to become more like him, and we become people who give of ourselves. We become people who are marked by this practice of generosity. Not self-serving, not, not self-serving, not seeking glory, but following in the footsteps of Jesus. This generosity, it's, it's not just a simple action. It's an overflow of the heart. We are um, getting to that time of the year where uh, it's, it's tax season. Has anyone, has anyone already done their taxes? Well, good for you guys. I'm working on it. 
not there yet. I, I sat down this week and, you know, I sit at the, our kitchen table, TurboTax on my computer, papers everywhere. And it's, it's, like, it's like this game. I never know what's going to happen. Am I going to owe money? Am I going to be paying money? I don't know. Let's, let's see what happens. And so I'm, I'm going along. And, and, and I can tell you with certainty that the condition of my heart in this moment is not that of generosity. Right? Man, I got receipts for everything. I'm trying to not pay a dime more, especially when I open up the one, the envelope for art tax. I don't even know where this comes from, but it doesn't evoke generosity in me. I'm sure it's a good thing, and I just need to repent. But, but in this moment, this, this is not a work of generosity, right? I, I'm, I'm trying to work to what I have to do, what I don't have to do. The, the invitation of generosity is an overflow of a generous heart. That, that it actually begins in our hearts. So in 2 Corinthians, we read about this, these instructions for giving, and it says, uh, in second, <clears throat> sorry, 2 Corinthians, uh, verse 9, these instructions for what J- Jesus wants to do in our hearts when we give. I'm sorry, in verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This isn't a work of, of obligation. This isn't a work of, of taxation, that, that I must do this, I have to do this, I have to meet these requirements. No, that, that, that this is a work of, of, of what we've decided in our hearts. The work of following the footsteps of Jesus, becoming people who give of ourselves in generosity and where we're led. And, and in this passage, it kind of gives us guardrails for, for what is generosity because in, in one sense, we're not meant to be people of constant obligation. There are some of us in this room that the hardest word in the English language for us to say is no, that, that we constantly are saying yes to this, yes to this, and, and find ourselves in a constant place of obligation, obligation, obligation. And, and this would tell us that's not actually a picture of, of generosity. And, and, and on the other side, the other rail over here is, is, is that generosity is, is coming from a place of cheerfulness. When I write my tax check, I'm not happy about that. This is a requirement. The contrast of generosity is this this is something I get to do. This is an overflow of my heart, of what God has done. This, this is a picture of generosity. It's one of my favorite things we do when we gather, that, that when it's, it's time to take an offering, we, we celebrate. Because it's not tax time. It's not time to pay our dues. It's not time for our obligation of giving. It's time where the, 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 our hearts resonate with God because he's a giving God, and we are becoming generous people. And here's a way that we get to model and display that this work of following the footsteps of Jesus, that our hearts are becoming more and more like his, becoming more and more generous and giving away of self. There's a few challenges I would say we face to become people who are growing in our generosity. One, one of our challenges is we think about ways that we give. We, we, give of our, we give of our time, we give of our resources, we give of our words. One of the most real challenges we face is this challenge of, of margin. When I think about being generous with my time, and I look at the life of Jesus, he, he was generous with his time. When we read about his story, most of the people he interacted with were complete strangers who interrupted him when he was going from one place to another or when he was teaching or doing something, and, and he constantly made time to be present with other people. 
to heal them, to listen to them. There's a story in Mark even where, where children are coming to him. People are bringing their children. They, they just want him to bless them and be with them. And, and his disciples look and they're angry about it. They, they think that they're, they're treating Jesus like a mall Santa Claus. Like, get out of here. You know, that he's our king. He's our ruler. He, he can't be bothered with kids. And it, it says that Jesus was indignant. He said, no, no, no. I've got time for them. I'm making time for them. I'm going to bless them. In fact, this is, this is the faith that you need to have as a faith of these kids. And we see his kingdom being pronounced and established because his generosity of time. He was generous with his time with other people and, and with God, his father. Over and over again, we read that, that Jesus left people to go be alone with his father and to not be hurried, but to sit and to listen and to pray and to have conversations with his father to the point that he would tell other people, I only do what the father tells me. I mean, can you imagine the connectivity with God that, that, that he is dictating the outcomes of your life every day. That's the reality that, that Jesus lived, this, this generosity and time with his Father. When we look at the, the story of creation, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are present before time. Everything is created. Uh, the world, suns, moon, stars, humans are put on earth. Their time is divided into seven days, and they're told, go forth and multiply. Name animals, plant things, make babies, do all the things for six days but this seventh day, this seventh day is for me. On this seventh day, you're going to be generous with your time towards me. And we're going to talk. We're going to commune with one another. On this seventh day, actually, you're going to be generous with yourself and have rest and take time. Jesus models this for us. But when I think about my own schedule and my own calendar, I have to ask myself, do I... Do I allow for that? Do I have margin for that? Or am I running from thing to thing, from appointment to appointment, from person to person without margin of, of generosity? Generous with our time, generous with our resources, acknowledging and understand that everything that passes through my hands, I'm just simply a steward of. I mean, I, I like to think in terms of, of ownership. I own a car, I, I own a home, I, I own clothes, I own these things. But, but truthfully, I, I'm just stewarding these things. I, I can't take them with me when I die. My, my favorite possession um, is my, I have this old acoustic guitar. It's a Martin um, that I've, I've had for years and years, played so many songs on it. I love it. And, and yet I, I realize, even though it's only 12, 13 years old, it's, it's already starting to show its age. It has a big crack on the top. The headstock says Martin and the R fell off, so now it just says Matin. I'm just stewarding this thing, right? It, this is passing through my hands. And, and so these questions come up for us when we consider our time, when we consider our resources. Are there people who are being blessed because these things are passing through my hands? Or, or am I consuming these things for myself? Are my resources just for my life? Is my time just for my discretion? Jesus lives or leads us in this pattern of living that is giving of self. And in doing so, when we follow him, it impacts our hearts. It creates generous hearts within us instead of callous places, instead of spots of hard-heartedness. I was confronted with this um, for myself where, where I'm experiencing a lack of generosity in, in my own heart um, here just uh, the last couple weeks um, up in North Portland in, in my neck of the wood 
we have a growing um, population of, of people who are, are living outside. And uh, it's probably the same in your neighborhood. And, um, and, and I don't have a commentary on what we need to do about it, what we have to do about it. It's, it's, it's a very perplexed thing, and it's a very personal thing. There's probably people in this room who know people who, who are camping and living outside. Um, there's stories that we have heard that are tragic, that are heartbreaking. And, and yet, we're, we're, we're kind of confronted with this reality in, in, in our city, and in, in one specific area very near our house, it's become very concentrated to the, pack, to the, the point that we've, we've actually had to, to, to engage it and, and to clean up stuff and figure out things and, and to, to guard things and, and all this kind of stuff, and it's, it's confusing, and, and I don't always know what to do, and, and I've kind of been in a bit of a neutral spot, or so I thought, until I was driving down the road with, with my five-year-old, and if you've ever spent time with five-year-olds, they're basically a gigantic mirror of yourself. They hear everything, remember everything, and reflect it back to you. It's terrifying. <laughs> and we were, we were going, and, and we've hit this, this verse that tells us, out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, my mouth speaks and goes into the ears of a five-year-old, shapes her life and her heart, and then it comes back to me. And as we were going down the road and we went by an encampment, it's, it's a particularly rough one. And, and she's even had some experiences of, of, of we've been yelled at and some different things. But she reverted something back to me that I know came out of my mouth. And it was a reflection of my heart. And it wasn't generous at all. It, it wasn't good. It was, it was very hard-hearted. And I kind of had to sit with that and think, the abundance of my heart is discipling my daughter in a certain direction that I, I don't think is in line with, with what Scripture tells me. Because Scripture tells me, regardless of someone's situation, they are loved by God and His creation. That's, that's what I, I believe, but that's, that's not what my heart is reflecting. And I had to stop, and I had to apologize to her and talk to her about it and try to talk more positively about our kids. And, and, and not that this all comes to a really clean resolution, that I'm going to say, and here's how to fix this problem in our city. I, I don't know. This isn't a commentary about that. This is a commentary about, about my own heart, where I want to follow Jesus and grow in generosity of heart. Because it's, it's not natural, right? My, my human nature wants all of my money to be mine, wants all of my time to be mine. And if I do want to be generous in time, I want to be able to schedule it really neatly on my calendar to know when it ends and when it begins and how I can plan for it and, and not for it to interrupt my life. And, and yet, here's a, a warning for us. If we choose to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, we can expect that we have to give ourselves away. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be challenging and sacrificial. One of my favorite definitions of the word sacrifice is, is giving up something that you want, something that you care about, something that's really important to you. Giving that up for something that you want even more. These are the ways of Jesus and the life that he has invited us into, beginning in our heart. I want to invite our, our band to come forward. And as they do... Um, I want us to remember and understand as, as we're talking about living lives marked by generosity, as we're, as we're talking about these practices and these habits of generosity that are reinforcing a generous heart in us, I, I want us to understand that the generosity doesn't originate with us. It started with God. 
that he has given and given and given of himself to us to the point of giving his own son. Scripture tells us probably the most known verse that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever should believe would not have a heart of stone but have a heart of flesh. That story, that story of God's generosity is made visible for us at the communion table. This meal that Jesus has purchased for us that represents the generosity of him sending his son to bring us life. We're gonna come to these tables here in a moment and, and as we come to this table um, and as we leave this place and in the days, maybe the weeks to come, my, my challenge for us is to look at the things that God has put in our hands to steward. Our time, our resources, our words, our abilities, our wisdom, and to ask the simple question, where am I giving myself away? Where am I living as Jesus lived? Generously. Father, we, uh, we hold all this before you and realize that we can't change our hearts. That's, that's what you do. That's your authority. That's your power. That you take a heart of stone and you make it flesh. You take a heart that is, that is stalled out, frustrated, unforgiving, and you make it alive. And then you ask that heart to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, to live the way that he lived and to know his words. And I pray that, that today as we come to this table and begin this conversation with your Holy Spirit, of asking how am I stewarding the things that you have placed in my hand? How am I giving of myself and being generous? And then having the courageous obedience to follow you in that answer. Lord, we thank you in your name. Amen. Let's respond to that by singing about God's goodness, how we love him. How his mercy is never going to fail. Till I lay